Welcome to episode 273 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters, aka the kitchen table here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, I could not be more excited. Seriously, <laughs> I couldn't be more excited because we have Alyssa Finley, the senior producer, and Jose Perez III, the director of Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, the brand new release from ILM X-Lab, which hit the Oculus Quest yesterday. This is Friday, November 20th. It came out on November 19th. We interviewed them on Monday. Uh, I played through the experience over the weekend. You can read my review over at the website. It's just a short 2,000 words. You know, it's only going to take up a, you know, a, a a quarter of an hour, maybe, if, if you're, if you, 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 you know, that's the pace you read at. Um, look, uh, normally in the show, I do some a little bit of rambling here at the beginning, but there is the off chance that some folks who have never been here before are jumping in, so you can listen and know what's going on. Just a little bit of context here. Uh, if you don't know, anyone listening to the show knows, I, I am a giant Star Wars geek. So get ready for just some some blade quick deep cuts. Uh, just just sliding in there real fast. And we're, we just bump right past them because I try and hold it back as much as I can. So this is in service to you. Uh, that's number one. Number two, um, Alyssa and Jose are like just super experienced in the realm of gaming. So Alyssa, uh, she was the project lead on Bioshock. She was executive producer and director of production for Telltale before she came over to ILM X Lab. Jose has like worked for like all the major game companies basically. And he was the lead uh, creative on Ralph Rex VR, which was location-based experience uh that came out when uh ralph rex the internet comes out um and and that vr experience was just a lot of fun just plugged you right into the world of uh wreck it ralph which uh an another another movie i love because i'm i'm a i'm a soft geek so this is really it's really great that we get to have them on the show and uh if you want to get my impressions of Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. You're going to hear some of that in this. You can also read. So let's not go too far. But this is um, this is going to focus on story and narrative, uh, the, the you bringing these techniques in, and also about how how this has evolved the series because uh, ILMX Lab has been working on uh, VR experiences since since the era of the the, uh, the oculus began uh and you know honestly before then lucasfilm's always been at the forefront of so much we often take them for granted they're the star wars people um and yes this is a a star wars product but uh under the guise of that there is so much <laughs> me fanboying but fanboying in a very specific way there is so much institutional knowledge about how to uh, approach storytelling on 
in different mediums uh, that really, you know, even even a juggernaut like Marvel, also owned by Disney, doesn't have the same depth of institutional experience and doesn't have the same nose for talent. Sorry, Marvel. <laughs> Don't mean to piss off a Marvel fanboy, but uh, like, like, well, okay, yeah, I do. I'm a DC guy, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, you won movies, but when it comes to the vast, vast world, uh, Lucasfilm really... They're, they're pioneers beyond pioneers. So it's very exciting. And of course, it's all it's all one big love fest, right? ILMX Lab has also worked on Avengers. So uh, let's not get there. See, I was going to try and make this not awkward, and yet somehow I naturally make it awkward. Uh, it's just inevitable. Okay, why fight it? <laughs> it is my destiny. See, Star Wars nerd. All right. I mentioned that Tales from the Galaxy's Edge is available now for the Oculus Quest. Uh, if uh, if you're curious, you should definitely pick it up, and hopefully by the end, you probably already have, uh, if you're listening to this. A couple of bits of uh, housekeeping before we jump into the interview. Uh, we fund this thing, uh, and indeed, <laughs> keep me alive, through a Patreon. Uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash Uh We are marching back towards 250 backers. We hit it, and then we dropped away. Uh, we're at 248 this week, which is very exciting, because uh, that means we're basically where we were a month ago. So that makes me happy, uh, particularly... During these trying times, uh, it's it means a lot that people are, are sharing uh, and and find what the work we do valuable enough. Because of course, it's not just the podcast; it is the No Prudentium website. I can't even pronounce my own thing right. Uh, it is the Everything Immersive website, and it is the Everything Immersive group on Facebook. So, uh, wearing a lot of hats out here, doing a lot of stuff. Uh, our latest backers are Alan Scott Moon, Nat Johnson, Riva Lombardi and Jonathan Martin and upping their pledges this time out are Jay Putnam and NR. Thank you all so much. We are back to 248 backers. Our sustaining backers, who are the folks who chip in a lot to a degree that sometimes frightens me, um, our sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mustry, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Emily Gillette, Brittany, and Elaine. Thank you all so much. You can join them at patreon.com slash noprosinium. There are some perks that are in the Patreon backing, including access to our Discord. And now that I'm getting my feet back underneath me, regular office hours in Discord and Slack will happen in December. And I will, at the beginning of December, end of November, post them ahead of time so people know when we're going to be around. Um, there'll also be drop-ins, but We'll, we'll schedule a few things. We'll try that out. It's nice to have routines. Uh, one flash forward. Next week on the show, Stephanie Riggs, uh, who is a creative technologist and author and uh, recently was working at Refinery29, amongst other places, uh, joins us to talk about Fifth Wall Forum, which is an event happening the first weekend in December. And that is going to, among other things, matchmake theater makers and immersive technologists. So you might want to check that out. Uh, we've got the episode coming out next week. It'll drop before Thanksgiving. Uh, but you also, you, you probably want to check out Fifth Wall Forum now. Uh, links are in the show notes. This is a free event, including the matchmaking. Uh, 
but it does have, like the matchmaking, some sessions that are by application only. That deadline is November 30th. So more on that next week, but check out the show notes now. Uh, And uh, if you are a theater maker looking to learn more about immersive technology and to, you know, get together with some immersive technologists, this is a good spot for that. If you're an immersive technologist and you're starting to get curious about the world of immersive theater and immersive storytelling in the physical sense, uh, this is a good one for you as well, because that whole matchmaking thing. All right. With that, no more business. Now, let's go. You know where we're going. We're going to a galaxy far, far away. I'm recording again. Uh, we could talk about pancakes. I'm a pancake connoisseur, but like, let's, <laughs> let's not do that. In fact, that's maybe the only thing worse than, than someone mentioning Star Wars to me is someone mentioning pancakes and just like tangent. Of course, the Star Wars people would Love. mention pancakes to me. And then there's the tangent for you. All right. Um, I don't have you for much time, so let's just dive right in. Uh, and I'll, st- I'll start on the deep end, which is, you know, by my reckoning, um, there have been like five commercially available uh, VR projects out of the X Lab, not counting trials and not counting the the Droid Encounter, uh, but things you were actually selling mm-hmm. to people, whether it was an LBE or at home. Um, what was the thing that you could do, or what were some of the things you could do this time that you you didn't think you could pull off before? What, what was the evolutionary step in here? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think the big thing is when you look at uh, a majority of the things that we've worked on and you look at uh, kind of how much time you can spend with them and the restrictions around them is pretty different. If you look at things that we've done that's more location-based experiences, they tend to be 15 minutes. You can't have uh, really have much of a death situation go on because you've got throughput and you're worried about how you're getting people through those things. Um, you, you look at things like um, Vader Immortal, which we're, we're really I'm proud of and we think we did a, a really great job with um but we were we were very much were pulling you through that experience in a very uh linear kind of restricted way to get what we wanted to do because we're learning we're trying to figure out how all this vr works uh we're in a world now where vr is you know especially with quest it's actually um, doing really well uh, there's a lot of people that are playing it and so we felt like we could loosen up some of the restrictions let people explore more and spend more time with the experience overall. And I think that was, um, that's a really big thing because you have to figure out how to fill in all of that space in a meaningful way if you're gonna, if you're gonna give it to them. So, um, so I think it was really leaning into that concept of exploration and letting players opt into the adventures and opt into the excitement when they wanted to was a pretty big step for us. And, and you know, ultimately has led us to create something over the last year that's two and a half to three hours long as opposed to, you know, um, that, that 40 minutes. So we're definitely learning how to use our systems and gameplay mechanics, but also how to continue to grow that story and give players more freedom within it. There's a lot in this piece that, you know, it, it feels like, I don't want to say like reinventing the wheel, but like in VR, you're kind of having to reinvent the wheel. There's there's elements of you know pulling an adventure game. So how does mapping work? How does wayfinding work? Uh, could you talk about yeah. the challenges of adapting um, you know a, a classic game type, the action adventure game, into something where the player is embodied? 
do you want to talk a little bit about that, Alyssa? Well, I think I, I think that this is more your world, but I'll jump in and say that I think the things that were <laughs> super important about it from our point of view was to let you feel like you had control of where you went and how you went. And that extended from everything but to a really deep comfort settings menu to make sure that we're really offering a lot of choices to people who have different comfort levels in VR. Um, to pushing beyond um, the uh, previous experiences where when we you needed to go into combat, we would lock you into place. Now we want you to be able to choose a strategy in combat. But in VR, there's just you're you're in the world. So one, if you're me, it's terrifying and you want to find a really safe vantage space, a safe vantage point and have tools that allow you to take on combats in your own way. And I think that was the biggest thing that Jose was driving for over the course of the experience was giving people choice, giving people a way of having different approaches to encounters, whether it's supporting using your hover pack to get to a safer spot where you can feel like you've got good cover, but you can also pick off enemies at your own pace to providing training remotes that let you help identify or target particular enemies in a situation. And I think it's really thinking about the fact that you you feel like you're in this world. So how can we make you feel like you've got a little more control? Yeah, I think that's that's a really good way of putting it. And to kind of um, piggyback off of that, I think what you know when we were looking at uh, this project as a whole, we were never like, how do we make this more of a game? What do we do to make it feel like it's in these other gameplay things? How do we make it more like a shooter or something? It was always how do we tell a really cool Star Wars story and let players live that Star Wars fantasy? And that's what's first and foremost. And so, um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of gameplay things that uh, a lot of the team has dealt with, you know, with, you know, decades and decades of game experience in addition to all the film experience. Like we've definitely um, played both of those things, but at the end of the day, it was always like, okay, well, you know, we know people, uh, it's, it's, it's much more nonlinear in some ways. So you can kind of explore a little bit more. I mean, it's not like we're, we're not making, you know, World of Warcraft or anything like that. It's definitely um, more of a straightforward progression. But um, letting people like really like what is the fantasy of how, how do I how do I do a wayfinder? How do I do a locator or an objective locator in VR that fits in Star Wars? Like that was that was the part that we always had to go through because there's, you know, it's, it'd be really easy to go down uh, a lot of roads that people might want and that we would think would be really fun to play. Um, but to, to make sure that we're fulfilling that story and, and fitting into that again, we always put everything through that star Wars, um, that star Wars lens. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, lots of, lots of, lots of, uh, tricky gameplay mechanics and things that we had to figure out, but again, always through that star Wars story. Yeah. I, I was pretty impressed by, by how committed you guys are to making some things diegetic, like the, the, the fact that all the, all the monitor stuff's on your wrists that you know you excuse the heads-up display by having someone pick up one of the visors uh, right at the start. <laughs> yeah, right. Like all, all this stuff is all this stuff is uh, yeah. as as a, as a giant Star Wars nerd, uh, it it that feels really good to have that box ticked. Um, that makes me happy. <laughs> um, between one of the interesting things is 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 aside from films. You know, Star Wars has a very rich legacy in gaming, like in, incredibly mm-hmm. rich. I mean, decades. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, maybe, maybe it's, it's literally like three years. Like, there's like a three year difference between like how old the films are and how old the video games are, right? So, yeah. how, 
you know, but between that stack of things and the stack of modern VR, uh, what influences is the team drawing on? Like where, where are you, where are you drawing your cues from? Cause like I, as a star Wars connoisseur, I'm picking out notes of, you know, this game and that game and like even things from the comic books. I'm like, mm, what, you know, the phrasing on this one is, but, um, you know, hints of tales of the Jedi. Is that a Nomi Sunrider reference? I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but in, uh, I believe it did it like that. Um, but, but I'm also curious for those who are developing VR, you know, where, where is your eyes turning in terms of inspiration? That's those, those are I mean, two the, massive questions that are about inspiration phrased in a very yeah. awkward way. So. I mean, I, I would say, and I'll let you jump in in a second, Alyssa. Um, I'm a huge star Wars nerd. I love this stuff. You know, I mean, I, I came here because of this IP and then happened to be super excited about the brilliant people uh, we get to work with. So anytime we get to dig into any of this, it's hard not to bring up things like your dark forces and your battlefronts and uh, your Knights of the Old Republic. And there's so many fantastic video games that um, have been made. And we definitely have an eye towards all of that. Um, but I think for this one, we, you know, we were really, a lot of our inspiration was coming from the new stories that we're telling within uh, Galaxy's Edge and how we could take those stories and expand them out to the rest in this world so for us it was um, less about like oh let's make sure this gun feels like this thing from the shooter or you know make sure that we're giving a good nod back to the old republic or whatever it was it was always um okay we've got this whole cool new uh era of star wars that we're just playing with with the, the sequel stuff we've given us a structure to explore older eras so we get to go all the way back to the high republic how do we expand this cool new story that's happening in a physical location now for the first time ever you can go visit a physical location of Star Wars. How do we take that and start to build those stories out and, and make that a more rich experience? And for us, that was where most of the excitement was was really coming from when we were driving that, followed up by, um, oh, my gosh, and we also have this amazing new medium that we can do it in that brings a completely different dimension and sense of scale to everything. So um, I think it was, although... We're, we're constantly inspired by all the things Star Wars, you know, the, the old Tales books and the comic books and the video games. We're inspired by all of it. What we're, you know, more than anything, what we're trying to do is take all of these cool things and tell new stories um, for new generations and build on this wonderful world that uh, we've got to, to goof around with for 40 some odd years now. Yeah, and it's, there's such a, there's such a culture of Star Wars at Lucasfilm. There are so many experts you can go to to talk about, you know, like any corner that you want to delve down e deep into, there is there is an expert there, probably somebody who helped, you know, originally mm -hmm. build that thing out, whatever it was, who you can you can talk to. And, what, and for us, that extends to collaborating with the story group, collaborating with Walt Disney Imagineering as to how we actually fit into the you know like we overlook the the cantina overlooks the park and so one of our first steps in in development was figuring out how we fit together with this physical real world place and then where we could expand to outside of this real world place to make it bigger for the player so i really agree with jose it's all been about trying to find a way to just make this world bigger and make this world make make that fantasy exploration available in this wonderful technology that is VR that makes you feel like you're there with the people with the, you know with the characters that you have loved forever. Well and there's there's something poignant's the wrong word but it it's the one operative for me in a year when we can't go to the park when uh, when we're or at least in 
California. If you're in Florida, you can go. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> any Floridian, sorry, but still, whatever. Um, you know, having this, it's it's not a substitution, but I wonder if it like it added added pressure or or made or, or sort of the gravity of what you were doing sort of changed. Because I mean, there's there's people who are you know and I, maybe I'm one of them who are a little addicted to being there in, in BSO yeah. and me too. Yeah. And like <laughs> stepping out, you know, in, in the cantina and getting the overlook and looking down and seeing the plaza and just, yeah. Yeah. Jose just made like, kind of like a, yeah. yeah, he's pointing yeah. to his heart. You get it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, Oh, we're here. But there's also, there's this, there's a, there's a granularity to what's been built uh, for Batu and for Black Spire Outpost, and there's lots of little details like seeing the the Sabbath cards, um, and and then wanting to pick up and play. Uh, how 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 much are you? Has this been a conversation with the people who who built that world? I mean, and, and I'm curious what the structure is between the Imagineering folks and the and the Story Group folks and 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 the designers at LFL in terms of shaping this place, because Batu is starting to become home for Star Wars fans. Yep. And and yep. that 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 means a lot of, you know, day-to-day details. Yeah, it's it's a huge responsibility. You know, anytime I think you're playing with something like Star Wars, there's a huge responsibility there. Cause you know, like and it sounds like you're one of us, right? Like you you know that. Oh feeling, frighteningly like, so. <laughs> Uh, where it's like, this is really important. You know, this is something that I want to pass on to people in my family and, and it means something to me. And so we, we always look at it through that lens of like, this isn't just some random fun little world. This is Star Wars, right? Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, that that question about, you know, Black Spire Outpost and, and how do we work with, with all of them, it's, it's really organic and it's very entwined so um basically we, we've had a lot of different connections to um to black spire outpost during the entire development of it right like x lab worked on smugglers run there's a little bit of crossover there we were down there doing brainstorming early on so we've got we got to meet a lot of those imaginaries um in a, in a very work relationship way early on um, when we started building this story um, and we knew we wanted to have a cantina it also happened to be around the time when we were when we originally opened opened um black spire outpost right it was like a little bit over over last year and so you're there and you're like this is the place this is the one that we need to blow out like we're literally here this is way too cool how do we expand this and so um from there it was taking the stories that we were playing with the ideas that we have going to the story group um matt martin james wah a number of other very brilliant people in that group will um, sit down with us and they'll work on the story with us so we might have we being x lab might have core kind of beats and stories that we want to hit when we go in and we talk to them they'll make sure that it fits in the overall scheme of things they're very very well versed in what's going on in black spire outpost and batu and all the publishing things to make sure that we don't cross any wires which is very easy to do in the world of star wars and for me is actually some of the fun is trying to figure out how to fit in the mosaic you know and be be proper and be canonical with it um and then we would have a lot of conversations um with imagineers themselves so uh, Scott Trowbridge is, uh, you know, one of the, the main guys down there for um, Galaxy's Edge, and he's been a constant point of contact for us to figure out not only to how we're keeping our our, our part of uh, Black Spire Outpost authentic and making sure that we're fulfilling more of the fantasies that you're going to be able to get in those parks and how it expands, um, but, but also making sure that what we're doing 
will have meaningful um, impact on the parks. You know, like this is, it's a symbiotic relationship. We're not just doing this thing on our own and, and, and uh, hoping nothing happens for it. Mubo, you know, in Droid Depot, like we're the ones that really helped flesh out who that character is. And he's a really important part of Black Spire Outpost. And there's going to be more stories that are going to develop there with these characters. So it was really, uh, really symbiotic. We, we, we worked together very closely. And it's like seriously the coolest nerd dream stuff you could possibly imagine just to get that out there. So Alyssa, did you want to add any more to that? I babbled there. Oh no, I I mean I everything you said, I think the, the biggest the, the biggest reality check for me was the moment where we were talking about making sure that the, the folks that every that everyone in Black Spire Outpost would be aware of our timeline and series of events to make sure that it was always that the, the what was presented was always consistent and that's what made me realize like this is a this world is huge and this world is so important and we really we got to get it right uh, talk a little bit about um going with an anthology structure for the release so um i mean mm-hmm. as, as for, I'll, I'll set this up you know ahead of time but just for anyone needs a reminder you know the the adventure is the core part. It's a, it's a few hours long, uh, takes you through that life, and then there's you get a little short story in the form of the legend. But then there are two more slots in your in your deck, uh, <laughs> you know, promises of releases, and and you've worked before. Yeah. You know, Vader Immortal was a trilogy, but this really feels like you've given yourself some room to like go one way and go another because the adventure has one tone and even, you know, one UI and, and one sort of set of rules. And the legend is, is, is different, a, a little bit of a throwback to Vader immortal, but, but also with some, some more character work in there in a way that hasn't before. And I want to, I want to dig in on that, but, but the structure, why, why go this route and why not just like, you know, a signed sealed release? Yeah, I think um, that, a lot of it comes down to that Star Wars fandom again, right? And like we're we love Star Wars, not just the the original trilogy or the prequels or the sequel trilogy. Like we love all of it, you know. And there's lots of things to debate in there, which is fun. And we wanted to, you know, in addition to loving all the different kind of facets of the Star Wars universe and trying to figure out how to play in all of them, we also at X Lab want to continue to innovate on um, our VR mechanics. And and, our, and and just how we or our storytelling or whatever we're doing within those those eras. So this gave us the ability to break. You know, we have our, our main through line with the droid repair um, technician, but this gave us an opportunity to open up uh, oper- places for other writers to come in, other directors to come in to help with these individual stories and let us grow our team. Right. So we have a, a really amazing, talented team here. We work on a lot of different projects. The more that we can get some of these other things bubbling up and hand off some of these cool stories to some of our other designers to help raise that up, the the more textured that that world is going to be. So it, it really came from a place of wanting to be able to continue to innovate in the future and, and keeping that open with all eras of Star Wars and saying there's a safe place to, to experiment with different mechanics outside of our core stuff and um, and giving us an open structure so that we can grow. If something changes uh, as we're building this project out, you know, uh, six months in and we find something really special um, and, and we think, oh my gosh, this might actually, you know, birth this other story. We have an opportunity to, to make that maneuver because of the structure we have and how scalable it is. Plus we're just fans of anthological storytelling, like amazing stories back in the day and Twilight Zone and all that stuff is super fun. And that idea of being able to tell 
really wildly varying tones you know like temple of darkness is pretty dark compared to the the the, the, the more lighthearted tone of the adventure right now and i think as you see some of our other tales um uh, show up you're going to see that we're going to wildly uh play with our mechanics well and without and, saying too much <laughs> and one of the things that's interesting about temple of darkness is you know in both vader immortal and in the adventure you know part of of tales where you're you know the droid technician you're a nameless protagonist so you're you're a fully project in mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in the legend you're playing I'm, I'm referring to what you guys refer to in the credits so apologies to anyone who hasn't got hit the credits yet like there's the adventure and there's the legend and like i i locked in on that uh, a little too quickly um in the legend you're you're playing a named character you're embodying someone and that's something mm-hmm. You know, that's something that we will often do in video games. Uh, you know, I always think of like Mass Effect and Shepard, right? But, yeah. you know, <laughs> rarely in VR so far, you know, um, with, a, with a couple of exceptions, the idea of like, you know, it's not just a projection of you, but it's, it's, it's you adopting a very specific role. How much of, yeah. a, of, a, of a leap there was that? And, and how, what kind, of, what kind of things did that bring, bring into the mix? trying to get someone to not just do whatever, but like, you're this person, you're this young Padawan. Yeah. Um, that one was, that one was an interesting one because for, for X lab, it was definitely a look, right. Like it was the first time that we'd said, Hey, there's going to be kind of a voice that you are, you are this specific person in the star Wars universe. Right. And I think that was definitely uh, some people were not sure how they felt about it at first. We had to kind of like experiment and, and get it in there. Um, but for us, that's what the tales are all about. You know, it's about saying like, look, we've given you, you have hours of content of being you in that experience, the droid repair technician, whatever you do, that's you, you know, whatever, however you feel about how you're going through it, that's you, it's your story. Um, but we want to play with, you know, new characters, which is where High Republic is, iconic characters that we could play with in the future. Um, we want to be able to let you embody those characters in a way that is framed right. Like um, it's all being told through this, uh, you know, crazy kind of bartender guy. And so who knows what's real and what's not. It's all canonical. You know, we're saying it's all canonical, but um, it just gives us more room to experiment and more room to get deeper with those specific stories. Like obviously the Addy story, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there and it's a very specific story and it fits very well in the High Republic and now can grow within that world. The droid repair technician is more of a personal character that you're going to take with you. And you'll, you'll hear about some of the stuff the droid repair technician has done, I'm sure, in, in, in the future. But it's, it's not the same as, um, you know, having an iconic character that has a voice, that has their own feelings, that you are kind of guardian angel embodying as you're moving, moving through this space. So uh, it was a little controversial at first, but I think, it, I think it paid off and it's really exciting. And other VR places are starting to do this stuff now too. Yeah, they, there's, there's something about, you know, hearing her voice, um, particularly like hearing the, I mean, I don't want to give it too much away, but there's like, you, you hear something. So you get her voice before you get fully tuned into it. It reminded me a lot of, um, there was a game Necrosis, which wasn't VR, but like was, you know, VR shifted. And that had this, like, it was a strong point of view and you had the, you know, the internal narration of the character. It was like talking the entire time. And, mm-hmm. and there's that, that trick, if you will, holds up. And I just thought it was really, if I found myself acting, is what I found. I found myself, yes, yeah. 
I found myself like same. hearing her lines and then being like, "Oh, I'm gonna emote towards Yoda now." Um, I was gonna say, did you did you kneel to Yoda when he started talking? Absolutely, I got down. Yeah, me too. yeah. Just do the same thing. Oh, Yoda's here. Like, pay respect. Get down on one knee. He's talking. You know. Like, yeah. I, I think it's it's a little shocking how many people probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm. I'm a little less shocked because the first time I saw like BB-8 in VR, I was I was there at the lab yeah. and I got down. It was like, hey, buddy, uh, but there, the the just the way there's an interesting confluence here between uh, the emotionality of, of being in the game and then like the spatial relationships you want to start taking on. And yeah. I don't know as as someone as someone who trained as an actor. I mean, of course, I'm going to jump at the the chance to like do do this silly stuff. It's how I play. Yeah. I'm really curious as to how folks who don't necessarily play that way, if if it if it leads people into playing that way because of just the spatial nature of VR. It's it's different from watching something on a screen. It, there there's there's no distance anymore. Yeah, that character in the story. And I, I think I really think that the, this first tale that we've put out there and probably all the tales down the line are really going to like this is X-Lab doing what X-Lab's mandate is, which is to find ways to tell, tell stories and find ways to help push the boundaries of being in that story of story living. And I know I know exactly what you mean, Noah, because every time I Every time I wield that lightsaber and then you, know, you just you you take the pose and you're like, I am I am this now. Yeah. So it's it's a really beautiful moment for me. Well, and it's even like, yeah, I, I, oh, go for it, Jose. I was going to say it, it's that everybody like kind of turns into a little kid when, when they get to that moment. Right. Where it's like. You know, you, you've been fan. Most Star Wars fans have been fantasizing about holding a blaster or a lightsaber since they saw the films back in the day, right? And so I think there's something about um, VR that lets you really embody that, right? So you're in that world, but there is also sometimes this can be, uh, you know, a little off-putting for people. But you're you're pretty enclosed in there too. So there's a there, if there's not a lot of other people in the room looking at you, there's a sense of like real security in, in that thing and being in that world. So I, I think. Um, uh, I, I we saw this in Vader Immortal too. Like anytime somebody lights a lightsaber, all of a sudden they do their best Obi Wan Kenobi pose or whatever. And um, that's something that yeah, I think there's that that childlike uh, feelings. It's really it's easy for that to come out when you're fully immersed in a world and you have all those fun toys in your hands. One of the interesting things for me in this one was you know having gotten to do that in Vader Immortal a lot and 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 loving the dojo that I found myself because of all of the all of the visual cues that we were in a horror story, all the, all of the, <laughs> the, the, the Addie's voice and like what she's going through. Like I found how I was holding the saber was different. Like I wasn't, I wasn't who I was in Vader immortal. I was a, I, you know, there was, there was fear. But there more was timid, more exactly. Yeah. Like, and so that, that yeah. stuff is, that stuff's coming through. Right. And, and it's just that, that, that I mean, granted I'm the right sucker for exactly that, but that it can actually get there is, um, yeah. know, that's exciting. Yeah, no, it's a very uh, similar feeling, you know, where it's like when you're in the dojo, you are and love the dojo. That was one of, one of the most fun things to work on. Um, you're just Uber bad, a star Wars extraordinaire, right? You're just chopping things down left and right. 
But when you're in this story and Yoda's telling you certain things and you go into that dark room, we find everybody, it's awesome because Fallen Order did this too. We find everybody lights that, that blade and then they lift it up over their head to illuminate where they're going. And there's that moment where they slow down a little bit, you know, and it's not like, ah, I'm super awesome. I'm going to go chop everything. It's like, what is down this hallway? I'm just a Padawan. I better be a bit more cautious. Like, hopefully people are getting those vibes. And if they are, um, that, that definitely makes it happen. Yeah. Uh, what can we look forward to? We're, we're about to run out of time. So um, as, as someone who's excited about the direction of this, what's, uh, what's the game plan? More adventures, more tales, um, more fun things to do, more places to explore in, in Star Wars, in freaking Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's definitely that. It's, um, you know, what we're trying to build here is not just a one-off thing. We're, we're making something that if people really enjoy it and, and they want more of it, we want to make more. And we've built a structure to support that. Um, we're really excited about part two and, Hopefully this is something that can continue to go on for uh, quite a while and we can grow it and um, it should just get better and better, I hope. So, yeah. All right. Well, Jose and Alyssa, thank you both so much. Uh, and um, I'm, no, looking, I'm looking you. forward to more. Yeah, no, thank you so much. That was fun. Once again, I want to thank Jose and Alyssa for being our guests on the show. Also, shout out to Elizabeth Walker, Lillian Noble, and Brian Bishop over at ILMX Lab for uh, letting us do this. Uh, keep us hooked up. We appreciate it. We know we're just a small operation out here. We're, no, anyway. Um, <laughs> giant. Giant Star Wars nerd. Kent Kent Bai called me a uh, Star Wars super fan, and it's uh, it's true. It's true. It is. Um, it's uh, you know kind of my religion in a in an unapologetic way. Um, you, you know, I watched The Mandalorian last night. Oh my god, that episode. Anyway, uh, look, we could do that all day, but. Uh, if I do, then we will be doing that all day because, uh, again, the only thing more dangerous is talking to me about pancakes. So let's, um, let's, let's sail on for a moment here. Uh, I, I, I would love for you to check out the review. Um, and, uh, you know, send me feedback if you have any, you know, if you, if you, uh, you know, agree, disagree, you know, have just different thoughts about what the priorities are. It's an interesting time for, VR right now, uh, because there's so many possibilities, but the market really just, you know, wants reliable product. And I feel about VR right now, the way I felt about computer gaming in the eighties and nineties in that <laughs> for the most part, I was on the outside looking in, uh, when I had just like, you know, an NES or a Genesis, uh, or an Atari, you know, honestly, and dreaming about, you know, what the possibilities were. The Quest has opened up a lot of things, um, but of course it's also, it's leveled the playing field in some ways, and that also means it's it's starting to get a little bit of a rhythm. And there's, it's, it's strange in that there are some things that VR does better than a, a flat paneled game system. 
And there are other things that panels do just, just way, 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 way better. And those things that the panels do way, way, way better are the things that make a lot of money. So there's a tension uh, to try and translate that. But I sort of see the stuff that VR does best as really hearkening back to adventure games, hearkening back. And, and, and there's, there's a lot of that here in Tales from the Galaxy's Edge and was tons of it in Beta Immortal. Um, and as, as that realm, but mm, I guess the, another part of the tension is those the costs, right? Like the story elements and building out worlds, like that's, that, that's chunky work. Um, that takes a lot of dev time. Uh, so you can see that some of it's an uphill struggle when it comes to market forces. But there's this great movement amongst independent creators and artists really starting to play with the tools of VR. You see that out in the VR chat world. Uh, you see that in you know, the actors and things like the under presents going on to start producing their own work. You see that with people experimenting with improv inside alt space and installation art, um, there. So there's, there's just, it's it's a freaking fascinating time. And what I'm excited about is I, I've just made a deal. (laughs) I just spent money, (laughs) didn't make a deal. Um, I bought a PC. Um, the terrifying part is um, I I got a, I got a pre-built PC, which is which is great because whereas I do kind of know what I'm doing, it's also been 20 years since I built one, and frankly, they're a lot more complicated than they were in the late 90s when I was in college. Um, but but it came and it it didn't have any USB-C ports. And that's a nightmare. So now I'm waiting on the delivery of some adapters to make sure that the Oculus link I've got for the Oculus Quest will actually work. Otherwise, I have to ship back this PC, which is going to break my heart because it's going to be months before I can acquire one um, that's got the USB-C port built in and also has uh, a graphics card worth having that isn't going to murder me. Um, anyway, that's just my personal struggle from last night. I just wanted to share real quick, uh, because that means all that stuff that I was like on the other side of the glass looking in on, uh, when those adapters arrive, if this thing works, it's going to be like a triumph. like, guess what, everybody now it's just like, ah, if this works out, um, I'm going to be able to explore that with you. Uh, so I'll be able to dive into Half-Life Alex. I'll be able to dive into things like the devouring in VR chat and start to see how this realm of storytelling of, of experience creating, uh, of story living as ILMX lab likes to call it, um, is going, uh, on the front lines and particularly the, this overlap between the the creators of live immersive experiences, that part of the discipline, and the digital. And of course, as as hideous and 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 no underselling there, hideous as our pandemic year has been, um the 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 calling it a silver lining is 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 gauche. So I won't say that, but know that like it's in the frame. Um it has been an accelerator 
of these two worlds meeting as theater folks look for a way to express themselves and as immersive technologists look for um, new vistas and to try and figure out how this medium is really going to work, which again brings us to next week's episode, talking with Stephanie Riggs about Fifth Wall Forum, um, and indeed brings us to what we're going to be working on for a lot of the rest of the year. So we explore this uh, valley, um, this this brand new, uh, lightly explored territory, and start bringing some of these folks together and and talking. Uh, so there's going to be kind of a consistent theme for pretty much pretty much the rest of the year of the podcast. The website, of course, uh, you know, holds down everything. So still talking about you know interact uh, you know interactive live streams. Uh, still open up new categories. We just added a magic category because there's a lot of there's a lot of shows that use magic that are that are focused on magic, and uh, you won't you won't find necessarily you know someone you know doing close up magic like as a as a service on the listings of everything immersive but you will find folks who are doing narrative based uh, shows that are rooted in magic so like narrative and magic shows so those are going to be in there uh, putting some more of the nightlife stuff in there just opening up new categories uh, and helping to sort of define our our wide wheel weird world a little better you can find that if you don't know at everything immersive.com all right um that's it for now. Um, I don't have a major rant. Lucky you. Uh, that was as close as it comes. Uh, oh, oh, another thing. Another thing worth checking out on the website. Sometimes I don't work off notes, like right now. So, speaking of the crossover point between immersive theater and VR and digital immersive. Wolves in the Walls is a fantastic character-driven narrative VR experience. Uh, it's won an Emmy. It's based on the Neil Gaiman book, the Neil Gaiman and Dave McKean book, uh, and was created by Fable, which is the studio uh, that uh, spun out of the folks at Oculus Story Studio when Oculus was like, oh, we don't need a story studio, studio anymore. And the people at the story studio was like, oh, we like what we're doing, so we're going to keep on doing it. Uh, and what they were doing was Wolves in the Walls. And don't quote me on that for any legal purposes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was the exact order. But part of that development process, uh, this piece that uh, Pete Billington directed, was, in, was bringing in... Uh, the team from Third Rail Projects, creators of Then She Fell, my favorite immersive theater piece, to work on the performance capture and work on developing the character of Lucy as embodied in the piece. It's been a darling of the festival circuit, and it's been available on the Rift uh, for quite some time now, but had yet to be ported over to the Quest because uh, it was pretty relatively intensive in a lot of ways. Yesterday, same day that Tales from the Galaxy's Edge dropped, Wolves in the Walls dropped on the Quest 2. And here's, here's kind of our part of it. Um, Fable has set up uh, something kind of interesting. Fable's become very interested in the concept of virtual beings. Um, Edward Saatchi, who is the head of the studio, uh, he, he developed a whole summit around virtual beings uh, that ran a couple of times before pandemic and has has had uh, an addition, I think, since as well. 
and you know this 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 is running the gamut from characters like Lucy uh, all the way to your Instagram virtual influencers like uh, Little Michaela. Uh, so, so so that whole realm, but also bringing in things like face capture, uh, like real time face capture. Uh, you know, in, like I said, Instagram digital influencers, but also AI chatbots. This this whole realm of creating uh, kind of semi-autonomous digital characters, right? Semi-autonomous, because right now the art is really about balancing human creatives, uh, designing the characters, you know, feeding them, feeding their brains, teaching them, uh, building them up. And uh, and then letting some of the AI stuff carry some of the load, uh, a balance between the two. The setup is they've developed a version of Lucy based on these virtual beings, AI technologies, um, and they've set it up so that people can sign up to have conversations with Lucy through the rest of the year. And that's that's a free thing they're doing as a kind of a promotional event for the arrival of Wolves in the Walls on the quest. Uh, we have a, a post from the Fable team uh, on the site right now. I'll link it in the show notes uh, about the process that they did in order to transform their character of Lucy into a virtual being for these conversations and there's a video uh that shows a sample conversation uh and they break down they break it down it's really fascinating um i'm personally like i have i have a lot of trepidation around how much is going to be on the ai side but what i've what i really like about what fable's doing with lucy right now is using the writing and the character development and, and the lines and the story that, that has been developed for Lucy, like who Lucy is and marrying that to the way the, the uh, AI technologies can allow for these kind of natural language conversations. So um, they've, they've built Lucy. Um, it's not random what, the, the path of the conversation is going to have because Lucy has a personality and the potential for that, um, where we find ourselves building these immersive worlds where there might be some characters that are being run in real time by actors or reactors, as we like to call them, interactive actors and some characters that are being, done by the AI as written in advance by the writers and probably developed with the actors. Suddenly we're force multiplying what creators can do and we're making scalable live digital, scalable real-time digital experiences that involve all of the elements of the palette that we have to play with. There's a timeline <laughs> in the multiverse. I told you I was a DC guy. Where 
where this is just, it's just the best year ever somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in the multiverse. It's the best year ever here. You know, we got some good stuff going on amongst everything else. So, uh, and this is the good stuff. From my point of view, this is the good stuff, particularly when it's people and technology working together to create something more, more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Not a bad place to be in this part of the world. Okay. Enough of that. Um, let's do the credits. Let's send you home. Uh, I hope you have an excellent weekend. I hope you're enjoying, uh, your time in VR like I am, or maybe you're chasing out a zoom show or you're going on an in-person adventure. If you're going on an in-person adventure, please, please, please be careful right now. Um, not just for your sake, but the sake of everyone around you, because that is the time we live in. All right. Big thanks to our Patreon backers. Again, our sustaining backers are Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mystery, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Emily Gillette, Brittany, and Elaine. We do need your help. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. We don't ask a lot. $2. I want my $2 uh, to keep us going. Five bucks if you can. Uh, that's on the monthly. And I think I'm going to turn on the annual soon so people can just be like, ah, get it all done at once. Um, that's probably a smart thing. Uh, again, we're going to have uh, regular office hours in Discord and Slack coming up in December. Uh, everyone who's on the Patreon has access to the Discord. Yes, it's been quiet of late, uh, but that is going to change. It's not been too quiet. I mean, there's still stuff. Uh, and the Slack is just, the Slack is Slack. It's Slack. What are you going to do? Uh, next week, Stephanie Riggs, Fifth Wall Forum. You want to tune into that one. And the music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society, who had a birthday recently, which I think I mentioned last time. But again, happy birthday, Chris. All right. That's it. Find everything we do at noprescenium.com and everythingimmersive.com. You can find me at Noah J. Nelson on Twitter. Uh, and if you've got a show or a VR project that you want to talk to us about, it's pitches, P-I-T-C-H-E-S, at noprescenium.com. Uh, just look at the name of the podcast. I'll help you spell that. Hey, I forget sometimes. Um, no judgment at all. Okay. The coffee's wearing off. I gotta go. Until next time, this has been Noah Nelson, and thank you for wearing the mask. Music